You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, welcome to the show. It is Wednesday, September the 8th. It's another glorious morning here in TW11 and perhaps this unseasonable early autumn sunshine has made us all more productive. It certainly has if the BHA's whip review first phase is anything to go by because the authority announced today that it had received more than 2,000 of your individual submissions through a detailed online questionnaire. More of that later. Heavyweight submissions though on this programme today courtesy of Dermot Well, the trainer of Tanawa, as she limbers up for this weekend's Irish champion stakes. Charlie Appleby, who trains the St. Ledger favourite Hurricane Lane, he talks about what the future might hold for that horse beyond the ledger and he also gives us some reassurance surrounding Adair. The big news yesterday was that Adair would miss this weekend's pre-Niel, the recognised arc trial at Longchamp and would instead head straight to the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe because he had picked up a minor injury. All that to come. First of all though, I'm joined by Rishi Passad. Rishi, the autumn sun is beating down. We are set in horse racing for a golden harvest as we approach this weekend, the gateway to the rest of the year. Where is your eye drawn first? <laughs> so much, so much. I can't narrow it down, Lucky. Uh, thankfully, I'll be at the Ledger, which is a, a real privilege to see Hurricane Lane taking on uh, a pretty decent field. I know that some people say that he is a standout horse, which he is, but the fact that Mojo Star's in there, and Mojo Star finished ahead of him in the derby, that makes it interesting. And there's the uh, imponderable about who will see out the distance best, that one mile six and a half furlong is always interesting. But it's the fact that Hurricane Lane has star quality. He has star potential still. Added to that, the Irish Champion Stakes, which has always been one of my favourite races. I love those 10 furlong races, the Judmont International, the Irish Champion Stakes. There's something about them that continuously uh, makes it uh, so exciting to see what some of these horses can do. The likes of Poetic Flair, perhaps stepping up in distance, Tanawa. Uh, and St. Mark's Basilica. Uh, Tanawa has been a magnificent performer for Dermot Weld in the last 12 months, the way she progressed last year. Uh, and the beauty about all that we're seeing over this weekend coming with regards to, say, Hurricane Lane or the horses that are potentially going to line up in the Irish Champion Stakes is that they're only going to whet the appetite for, for more to come. We are entering that that magical phase of the end of the season where we've built up through the year, we've talked about and we've seen horses displaying their wares. But when we get to September, we have a fair idea of who are the stars. And we know that the stars, a.k.a. the Hurricane Lanes, the Tanawa, St. Mark's Basilica and Poetic Flares, they have the potential not only to do their stuff, strut their stuff this weekend, but when they can go on the global stage, perhaps at the end of the year, whether it's America, Hong Kong, uh, even Japan. Uh, and I love that international competition. OK, in a minute, we will hear from trainer Dermot Weld about Tanawa, who runs in the Irish Champion States this weekend. First, though, let's hear from Charlie Appleby. Yes, about Hurricane Lane. But first, and most importantly, uh, about Adar. It was announced yesterday that he would miss the Preniel this week. He would go straight to the Arc de Triomphe. He'd had a little infection. I asked Charlie, first of all, whether he could 
um, allay our concerns somewhat about the Derby and King George winner? Uh, for sure, Nick. Yeah, no, um, as I say, we better, uh, really had a high, uh, infection in a hind leg there that uh, we sort of missed our Wednesday and then contemplated our Saturday work there being this Saturday uh, just gone. And, um, you know, that I just, after talking with uh, Connections and, and everybody, uh, we felt that, you know, no need to force this horse to work. Um, and, and therefore, you know, we've been missing those two bits. You know, we didn't want to be then trying to uh, chase our tails to uh, to run in a in an arc trial, uh, i.e. the, the Niel. So, um, you know, I'm glad we, we didn't. We, we gave him that time, those couple of easy days, and he's back in full work now, and he's cantered up past me this morning, and, uh, and he looks great. So, um, you know, we've got... Uh, just short of uh, four weeks to the arc there now, and um, you know, looking forward to it. Is he straightforward to get ready for a race? Yeah, for sure. Look, he's uh, he's a straightforward horse to to, to exercise and gallop. Uh, you know, we've got all the facilities there to uh, to get him there uh, fit and well uh, on the day. Uh, Hurricane Lane, obviously, uh, this weekend's um, big star in the in the St Ledger. A- any anything we need to be concerned about, or has it all been plain sailing? No, he's in great order. Again, he's just had his um, blowout there this morning. Uh, he looks looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, he does. He, look, he looks a million dollars and uh, you know, very much looking forward to Saturday now. Um, and there's no concern. I mean, but everybody's going into the same, into the race, you know, stepping up that extra two furlongs for, for all of us there, uh, for most of us, should we say. And then, uh, you know, that's the only question mark which we won't really know until we uh, go past the two pole, as they say. Um, but um, we're very confident in, in what we've seen him as a, as a you know, as a, a, or what he's done on the track so far, and as as he's done as an individual, he's he's, he's strengthened. Uh, I'd say strengthened more so since uh, since the Grand Prix de Paris. Um, he's had a nice little break after that, and 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 come into his work and hit every target. So um, yeah, I say very much looking forward to Saturday. All right, if he wins and wins well, or if he doesn't win and doesn't quite stay. Um, could you still run him in the arc as well? Yes, it's, it's, we, we've spoken about it, and, and I think without wanting to sound uh, like we're sitting on the fence, obviously Saturday's the day, um, and, and then therefore, you know, not immediately after the race, but the, the following days after the race, the discussions we made are depending on, on the performance that we see on Saturday. Um, if we were to go and win well, I would imagine that, you know, discussions will be, will be uh, positive towards looking towards the arc. Uh, and as you mentioned there, if, if he blatantly doesn't stay, um, then we will just have to see what sort of a race he's had uh, in doing so um, to decide on whether we again participate in the art. But uh, you know, he's definitely in the he's definitely in the mix um, for it. Um, it's you know, the discussions that we've already had, um, but as we've all agreed that uh, you know Saturday's uh, his main day, and and. Uh, then hopefully we'll have some healthy conversations uh, thereafter. And have you got any indication as to whether either of these horses or both will will stick around as four-year-olds? Um, hopefully, you know. As we, but again, those discussions will take place, Nick. To be honest with you, after the after the arc. Um, but um, you know, we we have spoken about it. Um, you know, but I genuinely think that um, you know. I'm not saying we haven't. It sounds mad to say we haven't seen the best of them. I mean, they're both, you know, one's an Irish Derby, one's an English Derby winner, one's a King George and a, and a Grand Prix de Paris winner. So, you know, two fantastic mile and a half horses to have had as three-year-olds. But um, if you, if you stand them up as individuals, you can only but be more hopeful and excited as their four-year-old 
careers are, you know, potentially upon them. So from Charlie Appleby to trainer Dermot Weld, who has Tanawa in the Irish Champion Stakes, he made no secret of the fact that he'd left plenty to work on ahead of her seasonal debut, which she won. I began by asking him, had he got her now exactly where he wanted her? Yeah, I'm very happy with her. You know, her major target still remains the Arc de Triomphe, but I think we have what we need her for this particular race. Yeah, look, it's going to be a very, very tough assignment, especially for her over 10 furlongs. And um, But we have her well. As I said, I'm happy with her. The horses here are all running very well, and we expect a good run from her. And just looking at the race in the round, and, and it's you and, and St. Mark's Basilica, Poetic Flair, and others, but it would be a surprise if the winner didn't come from those three. What credentials do you think could give you the edge over those other horses? I suppose her toughness, her consistency, her will to win have always been very major attributes of this particular filly. And in terms of her comeback, Dermot, we spoke to you beforehand and then I spoke to the rider a little afterwards and she was quite full of herself and she just half dropped him on the way to post. Was that in any way a concern or not? Not really. She was just, as I said, set up for her first start. Uh, She had enjoyed her long break. It was a first run back. She's a filly with a great constitution and uh, I'd left plenty to work on. I still have obviously left sufficient, I hope, to work on for the arc. So I hope to have her very well for Saturday. But remember, my prime target is three weeks later. And when you say you've left a little bit to work on, does that mean that your intention between this weekend and the arc is to work her more intensively? Just for, just for those who aren't quite sure what you mean, how exactly would that play out in terms of the training? It's more the race is going to tighten her a lot. You know, I mean, this will be the first major tough race that she's going to have since she won the Breeders' Cup turf. So this race is going to really sharpen her and bring her forward. It's like a prep race for any major competition, be it equine or human, if you know what I mean. It's very nice to have a really sharp performance first. And this is going to be a major test for her. These are, it's a very high class and an excellent renewal of the race. And I have the highest regard for the opposition. You know, they're two of the best horses in the world. Just looking at the race from a, from a tactical viewpoint, um, is there a possibility that you're going to have to have a ridden a little bit more handily than otherwise you might? Two things. It will all depend on what horses are declared for the race. And also it will depend on the ground and the day. Right now the going is closer to firm at Leopardstown. And um, we have some heavy showers forecast. If they fall, they'll obviously ease the ground. If they don't fall, obviously it'll be quick ground. Dermot, aside from Tanawa, you've got a strong team lined up for Irish Champions weekend. Will you be represented in both Group 1 races for two-year-olds? The homeless song would run in the Moy Blair Stakes and in the group one on, at the current Sunday. And, and Duke de Sasa is a nice two-year-old colt. I haven't decided yet whether we, which race he'll run in, whether in the mile race at Leopardstown or the national stakes at the current. Um, Homeless Song's beautiful pedigree, uh, Frankel, Moyglair family, uh, and beat Agatha at Leopardstown. That form has worked out really, really well. She looks like she could be a bit of a star. 
Yeah, she's a very nice filly. That said, the filly she beat at Leopardstown is a rapidly improving, very consistent, very talented filly that I think has come on in leaps and bounds from that maiden race. Went and won her group three, then her group two. And she's a tough, highly talented filly. Okay, lots to take out of there, uh, Rishi. Dermot World, um, informative but laconic as ever. Um, I always get the feeling that the the crisper his answers, the more confident he probably is. Yes. Well, he has every right to be confident about his, his horse. Uh, she is quite magnificent. The return performance at Leopardstown last month was was majestic. I, I know she was entitled to win that, that Group 3 race, but she won it in such style. Um, there is so much to like about her, her, her win over Magical. That's that's such strong form uh, in the in the Brunners Cup, uh, and it, it is exciting now because I, I, I you get the feeling that she's about to be tested beyond what she has uh, produced on the race course before. She's she's up against uh, potentially two high class three year old colts and St Mark Basilica and, and Poetic Flair. So we're gonna ha- we're gonna find out. A little bit more. That's the exciting thing about the Irish Champion Stakes this weekend. But listening to Dermot Weld, the the the, the confidence levels I think means that he thinks that he he she'll cope with uh, with a, a better a better class of opposition. To Charlie Appleby and a few points to note. First of all, it's good news that the ADAR holdup is is nothing too uh, serious. But on the other hand, it reminds us that this is a, a jittery time of year as well as as an exciting one. It is. It is. And of course, <clears throat> Adar might end up uh, following the, the Lantara uh, trouble, which was Derby, King George and Ark with nothing in between. So there is that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, he, he he obviously uh, had that, that little setback. But I think Charlie Appleby, seen, judging by what he said and by what he's, he, he, he said in the press as well, um, pretty confident that he'll get to the Ark and that he'll be able to show his best. And I I, I just think it, it just adds to the to the magic of what the arc might produce. You know, a, a, a Derby and King George winner against a, a filly who hasn't been beaten uh, in in the last year and a half in in Tanawa Snowfall, who's done what she's done this season, and potentially, as Charlie said to you, um, Hurricane Lane could also go there, and you know, um, turning up having potentially also won the, the ledger. So it's all very exciting, and uh, and it's. It's also quite nice to see the way they're they're being campaigned. Certainly, the the Godolphin horses and Charlie Appleby in particular follow. I mean, obviously, Side Bin Saro, uh, did it in his in when he was at his absolute peak. But the adventurous manner of their campaigns is something that I've always uh, admired, and it makes makes for a really interesting uh, international racing calendar. It does. The other um, point to note from Charlie Appleby's. Uh, interview there was the the idea that both Hurricane Lane and Adair could potentially stay in training as 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 four year olds, and certainly their profiles suggest that 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 wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Absolutely, and already I'm thinking which one will line up in the Dubai Shima Classic and which one will go for the <laughs> World Cup. I'm not entirely certain, <laughs> but you know those are the options. You know, one will run in uh, in potentially a, a, in the Saudi Cup. You, you, you never know. I mean, these are the sort of these are the sort of options that are now going to be on the table. If you kept them in training, uh, there's that. There's there's Dubai, uh, and there's the, a wealth of opportunity around the world next year, and that's what makes it exciting. That's what that's what keeps us, you know, enjoying racing every year. It's the it's the potential of what's going to happen. Yes, we enjoy the moment. Yes, enjoy the living in the moment. 
but the moment that you live in leads you to to ponder about what else could happen in the future and you know conversations like you've had with charlie appleby today only heighten those senses you're full of enthusiasm today i've got you in a very good mood i am i am enthusiastic because i haven't been racing since uh the northumberland plate <laughs> you're like uh, a yeah this is it you're like I, a you're like I a caged tiger aren't you i know i'm de i am desperate i have missed it i have missed it i've had a lovely summer but i have missed horse racing so uh i'm on the cusp of returning to uh, to the race course for the first time in in months so i, I cannot wait to get back amongst it uh i'll talk to you next week and you'll be you'll be your usual jaded <laughs> i thought i was your, uh, the sunniest disposition you are the no? sunniest oh, disposition nowadays. Um, <laughs> the the whip review that we've talked yes. about quite a bit on this podcast. The first phase has concluded yeah. with more than two thousand public submissions received, and it's a fairly detailed, reasonably lengthy process. Two over two thousand people have yeah, returned the questionnaire. That is, I I believe that's a big number. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's that's an extraordinary number, but I think lucky that that points to how important the whip is with perhaps a gambling perspective uh, at, at, at its core it matters a lot because people are, are going to be spending money betting on racing and when their money is you, you know your own personal uh, property is is on the line you want to have a say in 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 in, in the outcome uh, if you can. So I feel that's why so many people personally, why so many people have have responded to it because of of, of the gambling aspect uh, attached to the outcome of races and the outcome of of uh, of a finish that where the whip is involved. So I, I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because no matter how we try to dress this sport up, it's inextricably linked to gambling and gambling is important. And when people are putting their own money down, then they're going to they're going to want to have a say. So tell me, Rishi, how does this response compare to the response that you asked for from your well-being survey of a couple of months ago? Yeah, well, it's interesting because that came into my mind as soon as I saw the number 2000 uh, responses to the WIP consultation. Um, we issued a, a well-being online survey uh, earlier this year where we asked people in the sport to um, to 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 take a snapshot of their own well-being and obviously it was open to any any person who was working or involved in racing and we had a few hundred um and it for, for my for my view watching or, or reading about the fact that so many people responded to the whip uh it was a, it was a bit of a stark realization that well-being we speak about it a lot we say the right things. A lot of people say the right things about how important mental health and well-being is. Um, but perhaps we don't really understand how serious the issue is if only a, a few hundred people decided that they were going to take the opportunity uh, to, to take a, a look at their, their well-being. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to do. I'm not saying that you just say, yeah, well, here's an online survey. Go on and have a look at your well-being and you can you can uh, benefit from it because it's not easy to 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 look at yourself in the mirror, I guess. So I'm not saying that um, it's the easiest thing to do, but it's an opportunity to, to do, to do something positive from a personal point of view. And, and people pass that up yet, you know, to, to make a contribution about uh, how many times a jockey should hit a horse or the rules involved in, 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 in uh, the, the, the whip use uh, people seemed far more 
far more moved uh, to make comment on that uh, in comparison to to being able to to do something for themselves where they might benefit mentally uh, and and in overall well-being health. So it was a stark stark realization that perhaps despite all the good chat and all the good things that people say and all the right things that people say we've got a long long way to go when it comes to getting things right in in that particular aspect of things rishi for the moment thank you rishi will be back at the end of the show to give you a winner for this afternoon but first of all welcome back to the show hong kong which began at sha tin at the weekend and welcome back with his postcard from Hong Kong with Happy Valley this afternoon, J.A. McGrath. Hi, Nick. I don't know whether I'm suffering post-lockdown fallout or whether it's just old age, but I distinctly felt pangs of nostalgia as I thought about preparing this piece that marks the first Happy Valley meeting of the new season in Hong Kong today. Eight races on a tight track, not as tight as Garrison Savannah in Barbados, but one that makes Chester seem a little more spacious than popular perception. I interviewed Harry Bentley last week and I was pleased to hear that Harry is living up to his reputation as a young modern jockey who cops on just how important it is to adapt to a new environment. Harry told me he was working hard on getting his mounts away smartly from the starting gate. He stressed how important it is to get a good start in races in Hong Kong and consequently to get a good position early in a race. And he quite rightly reckoned that that particularly applied at Happy Valley. Bentley has only three rides at the Valley today. They're all at juicy odds, but for a bit of value in multiples, I suggest you include his Mount Turin Red Star in tote swinger bets on race six, the featured Community Chess Cup. Take him, that's Turin Red Star, number eight, with my top selection, number seven, Right Honourable, a noted late swooper who's trained by Richard Gibson, and also include number one, Sunny Star, who's pretty capable. There is no doubt the headline maker on the first day of the season at Chartin last Sunday was trainer David Hayes, and full credit to the Aussie Hall of Famer. He stepped in for just about every interview going in the pre-season build-up. He said he was out to double the winner tally of his underwhelming comeback season, and bingo, he fired in a treble on the first day, and winning with two great prospects in Nabu Attack and Nervous Witness. Barring unexpected setbacks, both should run up sequences in the first half of the season. Hayes and Zach Purton, who combined to win with Nervous Witness, look set to repeat the dose today, with another promising type, though not in the Nervous Witness League. I refer to Race 5, number 4, Infinity Win, who recently caught the eye in two barrier trials. He's primed and ready to win first up. There'll be a hectic pace in this five furlong handicap sprint and if Zach Purton can position Infinity win just behind the leaders from gate six, the race should be set up for him. Take him in multiples with the Bentley ridden number one joyful win and also number five Super Commander. Super Commander's an interesting runner. He'll be ridden by dual champion apprentice of South Africa, Luke Ferraris, son of trainer David. Luke's only 19. He's very good, and the fact that he grew up in Hong Kong before going back to South Africa to serve his apprenticeship is a big help. He already knows the ropes. Going back to the nostalgia I touched on earlier, I think I missed the atmosphere and the hardened daily punters who make the race day experience so very different. They are not there on the racetrack to eat or drink, 
that can be done later. And no, they're there for a punt, the never-ending quest to back a winner. Last Sunday, they bet £133 million on the 10-race card at Sha Tin. It was a first-day record for turnover. If only winners were as predictable. So in a really interesting innovation, the Jockey Club, which owns and or manages so many of the premier British racecourses, has now branched out into the management of one of the most prestigious uh, three-day events run in the UK at, at Blenheim Palace. I'm really pleased to be joined by a member of the Olympic gold medal winning eventing team, Tom McEwen, who wowed us with his performance on Toledo de Cursa in Tokyo and is a doubly bound for Blenheim. Uh, with Braveheart B and Bob Chaplin. First of all, Tom, it gives me a great opportunity to to congratulate you and the team on what was a, a wonderful moment for the, the sport of eventing in, in, in Britain. Have you managed to come down to earth yet? <laughs> I don't know. It's um, amazing quite how many people it's touched, how, how wide a reach it actually gets the Olympics. Um, we think our world's big enough, but actually, um, yeah, the amount of other people that have realised it, seen what we've done, um, it's quite incredible. So, Yes and no. We're definitely back into the swing of uh, normal life and routine, but at the same time, it's um, definitely still lingering in there. But this is always an incredibly busy time of year for anyone who's in the sport of eventing, and and it doesn't stop for you. Just tell us how life's been since you got back. Uh, Yeah, so literally we we had a week at home and then we were straight back in shows. Um, Basically, my team at home had been fantastic and we couldn't do it without any of any of our teams really um but they kept the horses horses um ticking over going schooling working um ready to go again we were straight to Hartbury and basically it's all for preparations for the end of the year so my main targets are like you say Blenheim um which is uh, in a week's time and then I've got a couple going down to France for hopefully for Lyon and Poe so yeah you got to keep keep ticking over to keep the targets in place and, and keep pre- prepped as best as possible and what do you make of the, the jockey club taking over the, the, the management of, of Blenheim? Do you think that'll be a, a shot in the arm for, for the event? I think it's going to be incredible. Already the event's special. It's got history behind it, and it's very well loved by um, uh, sort of the eventing public and, and the public around horses. But with the jockey club, I really feel it's going to give uh, a much larger appeal. Uh, I think some really fresh ideas, which are sort of much, much needed. Um, and I think for the... Um, Eventing professionals, especially, everyone's very excited to see see what they're going to be um, doing. Really, and, and so, what do you think needs refreshing in the sport? Is it in terms of, of how it's how it's portrayed to the public, or does it does it actually need sort of tinkering with structurally? Um, like without going into too much detail, it sort of needs a few modern twists. With definitely, um, um, it's a traditional sport to begin with, so it just it just needs tinkering with really, and it is. I, me personally, I think it's really appealing to the public. Uh, I thought the Olympics was um, very exciting and very well produced, but the cross country wasn't really shown. I mean, they had sort of 150 percent of the course covered by cameras, and sort of only showed about five combinations. Um, and eventing so much more exciting than that. Um, it's so much better. So I think, along with along with best sort of better media, like Paul Tatner is doing a great job with his media company, sort of promoting eventing. Um, yeah, we've got, to, we've got to go with innovation. It's got to be modernised. No sport can hang around forever, and that's the same with all sports, whether it be eventing, racing, cricket. Um, everything needs to change, adapt, be quicker, be more appealing. Um, like I read a, 
article in the captain's post, people do tend to walk around the bigger courses, as in Denham or Burley, uh, for example, but actually smaller ones, they quite like sitting in a spot and having an area where they can see sort of six, seven fences. So we've got to make it appealing to all, um, sort of re- reach a wide democracy uh, and make it really exciting. And people put in a lot of hard work, not just uh, to run the shows like Benham and the Jockey Club are doing, but also sort of the professionals sort of behind it and the owners that are really putting a lot of money into it. Thanks to Tom, to Jim, to uh, Charlie and Dermot at the beginning of the programme. Rishi's still with me. Interesting listening to Tom McEwen there, <laughs> Rish, especially at the end when he's talking about how, you know, the sport of eventing could be, you know, zhuzhed up a little bit. It, it was, it's pretty much like talking to anyone in horse racing for the last <laughs> yes. 15 years. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. There are a lot of similarities uh, across equestrian sport. And, uh, you know, I think eventing... At the at the moment, eventing and equestrian sport, um, you know whether it's dressage, show jumping, or eventing. At the moment, it, it's it's got an opportunity uh, off the back of what was an, an excellent Olympic Games and an excellent Paralympic Games as well for for Great Britain. An opportunity to to follow up on that. And sometimes, you know, whether it's racing or or or, or equestrian sports, um, we miss the opportunity. We miss the opportunity to to follow on. Um, obviously, the Olympics was a pretty special experience and if there was some way of cashing in on that um you know now seems to be the right time to do it and it's better to do it sooner rather than later yeah chatting to a few people in racing this week about racing doing lots of good talking and very little doing that seems to be the issue uh not just obviously in racing but a but perhaps uh, around sport in general and maybe also in, in equestrian sport in general. So I think the opportunity to, to do something positive whilst there's a good, a feel good factor, um, you know, that, that's the thing. I mean, we are in, in we are in racehorse week now, aren't we? national racehorse week. Um, so perhaps uh, racing can, can really do something as well as uh, alongside the equestrian sports one day. Uh, to, Next to, week, to, isn't it? National Racehorse Week? Is it yeah, next week? So. Oh, Thanks. sorry, I'm I'm doing something on Sunday. So as far as I'm concerned, it was started this week. this week. Yeah, well, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, it is starting. <laughs> it is starting at the end of this week. Yeah. Sorry, I was I was going to use this opportunity, lucky to say, anyone in the Epsom area that like would like to come down on on Sunday morning. Horses on the gallops open. The yards are open. Um, please take the opportunity uh, from about eight o'clock in the morning on the gallops at Epsom. So please look forward to seeing you there if you can make it. Yeah, Jim Old's got a golf day. Um, <laughs> right. Um, and Rich, before you leave us today, you've got a tip. I have. I debated long and hard, Lucky, about tipping double or bubble again in the the scepter, um, but I've tipped her enough times, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let her let her go on her own. And especially because Henry de Bromer has got Ren's breath in there, who I don't know how good she is. She's only raced twice, so I'm gonna leave that race alone. And instead. I'm going for a horse that I've lost money on before, but I'm giving him one more chance. The last race at Doncaster today, Rawayat. Um, when you consider he was second to Arecibo, first time up at Newmarket over over five. Um, Arecibo is a very short price for that um, that decent race at uh, Doncaster today. What is it? The the listed five furlong, the Scarborough Stakes. Um, so I, I'm going to take one more chance that Rawayat gets the job done in the last at Donny. Rishi, thanks so much. Thank you for listening. We will see you again tomorrow when I will be broadcasting from the Goffs Yacht and Sale. That was Wednesday, September the 8th. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.